In the name of the loving, life-giving, and liberating God, who is Blessed Trinity. Amen. You may be seated. Now, our gospel is a little strange, but our other passages today have some really beautiful reflections on the nature of faith. I'm particularly struck by the psalm. Put your trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land, feed on its riches, take delight in the Lord, who shall give you your heart's desire. Commit your way to the Lord and put your trust in God, who will bring it to pass. God will make your righteousness as clear as the light and your just dealing as the noonday. It outlines a life lived in close communion with God, no matter what others are doing around you. Both this and Habakkuk uh, tell us how faith is a waiting and a trusting in God, in its commitment to living as God has asked us to live. Now, that might not be how most of us think about faith. In our culture, faith is usually a synonym with belief. Faith is believing in God, often believing very specific things about God. But that's not the way that faith is usually characterized in the Bible. It might be how we often hear it, but more often when we hear of faith, the Bible wants us to think about trust in God, or even faithfulness towards God. That is what our psalm is describing, what Habakkuk is describing, trusting in God that living well will turn out right in the end, or Uh, that faithfulness to the way that God has asked us to live is how we are meant to live. So understanding faith in terms of trust and faithfulness can help us make sense of Jesus' cryptic pronouncement in the gospel today. The lectionary decides to drop us in the middle of a story today, so it's also useful to know what was happening before. Before our reading today, Jesus is instructing the disciples to beware of causing those that they care for to stumble and telling them to forgive as many times as someone sins and also asks forgiveness. If the same person sins against you seven times a day, turn back, turns back to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive. In response to this, the disciples cry, increase our faith. A confusing response, if we think of faith only in terms of proper belief, but one which makes more sense if we think about it in terms of faithfulness. The disciples want to be sure that they won't cause others to stumble and that they'll be able to forgive as Jesus has asked them to do. But Jesus gives a response that can also be misunderstood. If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. This picture of an impossible thing has led many people to crisis when they have not received answers to prayers, mistakenly thinking that they didn't have enough faith for God to notice them. But Jesus is not telling us that faith makes God into a vending machine, doing whatever the most faithful ask and ignoring the rest as if they have incorrect change. Jesus is telling us that the disciples are asking for the wrong thing. 
They don't need a huge portion of faith to make the impossible possible. They simply need to trust and do as Jesus has asked, to be faithful in the things they already know how to do. This is why Jesus then pairs this saying with the next story, the story of a slave who does as the master has asked and expects. It is an unfortunate choice of illustration for us now, who rightly question the validity of master-slave relationships, but it's something that the disciples would have understood immediately because of their context. Jesus is telling them that instead of asking for more faithfulness, they simply need to do, to live out the faithfulness that they already have. Now, I am an artist. Uh, my undergraduate degree was in oil painting, and I chose that degree because I have loved art my whole life. As a kid, I used to record my favorite TV show on VHS, if you remember that, and I would watch until I found something interesting, usually a close-up of a cartoon face. Then I would pause the video and I would start to draw. I don't know if you remember this or if every VCR did this, but it would usually only pause for a few moments and then it would start playing again. So I would either have to draw quickly or be ready to rewind and find my place again to continue drawing. Now, often I would have to rewind, but I did get quicker the longer that I did it. I would do this for hours, carefully drawing out the lines that I saw on the screen until I had a fairly good match for what I saw. In these early drawings, I didn't know it, but I was honing my skills of observation learning how to translate proportions from an image to my paper. Once I was in college, these skills were fairly well developed. So as I moved into the realm of oil painting, I already had many of the basics of observation down. As I began creating more and more work, I had the dizzying experience of being surprised by what I produced. I would work quietly and diligently, and then I would step back. And from time to time, I would be floored by what I saw. The skills had become so much a part of my second nature that I would surprise even myself with what I could create. This is what Jesus wants us to develop in our life of faith. We practice faithfulness to God in many small things throughout our lives. A practice of prayer, a commitment to reading the Bible, a devotion to small acts of service, a habit of giving. We practice one or many of these things through, or cycle through them at different points in our lives. Each person connects to God in different ways. So you don't have to do even these conventional things to practice faithfulness. Maybe taking a walk in nature, practicing silence, listening to inspiring music, practicing being grateful, or a myriad of other things as your spiritual discipline of choice. Whatever we do, as people of faith, we do it often, or even cycle through these different practices. Then, when we're faced with a person 
who always takes advantage of us and later apologizes, we find ourselves able to forgive genuinely, perhaps even without much thought. It becomes second nature, something which, when we step back, seemed impossible at another time in our lives. And this isn't accomplished by seeking out the worst offenders in our lives and muscling through forgiveness with them in order to make forgiving the smaller, regular slights second nature. It's done by being faithful in the smallest things first. We cultivate an openness towards God until one day we look back and we see all that God has accomplished all the things that we never thought that we could ever do. We don't need faith the size of a mountain in order to be faithful to God. We need faith the size of a mustard seed and the practice of living it out. And if we forget and we snap at our friends or we offend our family, God still has grace. Jesus stands with the invitation to try again. We have only switched places from the one forgiving to the one asking forgiveness. And there is grace and growth for both of those people. So don't despair. Lean into the growth that God provides and practice doing what Jesus has asked of us. Until one day we look back and we're surprised at what God has made of each of us. Amen.